your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around Come writers and critics who prophesize with your pens Keep your ears wide, the chance won't come again For we're the best podcast this side of the sand And we've been busy doing some rearranging So sit down compadres and listen in For the times they are changing Don't call it a comeback, we've been here for years (laughs) Welcome to Stick Around Um, You're here for Just Stick Around really It's not really a multi-show anymore I'm here Oh. I'm here with... Is that why I just played the times they are changing, Al? That could have been. I mean, I was going to leave it to... I, I trust the intelligence of our listeners, but, yeah, that must have been it. Um, we, I'm here with just general expert, Michael Johnson. <laughs> Hiya. Um, I'm also here with general expert, James Cable. Hiya. <laughs> what is this? And, and general... Expert Clive Fisher. I thought you were going to film funny there, weren't you? Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to be mean, but I just thought it wasn't fair. You... Well, yeah, it wouldn't be fair, would it? Because I've been busting my ass coming up with lyrics for something that you were supposed to do, Al. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I reckon. In bed, when we, after Josh's wedding, you were like, In I'm going to come up with some lyrics for you, Clive. <laughs> well. And I thought Pillow Talk for you was real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's give no context to that whatsoever. Um, <laughs> um, to be fair, I did probably recklessly endanger half of the A19 getting here on time. So, you know, was good. Was that? Yeah. What kind of an expert are you, Al? Um, problem, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm an expert. I'm not sure I've qualified for that yet. Um, wow, modest, modest start to your career. Yeah, as a you know, general, a general expert. I'm probably uh, as much of an expert as I am humble. Um, um, Al, shall I do a bit of explaining for go, about a minute? Go for it. I've pre-prepared. Just keep it general. I haven't. Um, Basically, we we still stick around. We will have episode... Our episode numbers are going to look really massive, so that's pretty exciting. It's giving me a bit of an erection, actually. Um, Because (laughs) we're just going (laughs) to... Well, I can only do what I'm capable of. Um, Because we are just going to add them all up and just call it Stick Around Episode 100 and whatever it is. And we're just all going to talk about everything on here. So it'll be music films games whatever people want to talk about so um yeah basically that's basically it. it's pretty simple really it's just that there won't be separate ones for each one so it's gonna be multi-format so if you're thinking oh i don't like games shut up listen up because you're probably gonna be like yeah i want to go out and buy a switch never heard of one but <laughs> clive's really selling it to me and i'm gonna buy it <laughs> so yeah that, that that's what's going down um that's the new chapter and uh, for the pedants among you yes i know i can't play the harmonic a bit properly I just got the right key and blew into it. It sounded right to me. Uh, good. But then again, like I, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm no expert. Um, I'll tell you a man who is an expert. Um, 
you know, people say they've had enough of experts. You can hear the air quotes there. <laughs> but I've not had enough of him. Going in for our first review, Michael Johnson. Ooh. Take us away. I'm, I'm interested to know if we, uh, under this new format, we still have a sponsor or not. Um, well, we're working on one. Most of them have shunned us because yeah. they're like, well, this they don't is a bit like too it. Yeah. broad. <laughs> a bit too broad. They're like, how this doesn't really pin down the market to what we want. Clive, Clive would you like a dairy milk finger? No, yeah, I'd like a finger. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> tumbleweed. Cable, are you right, um, I, I, I prefer my meal first, actually. Oh, my, yeah. can- my cannelloni, get me that. Don't eat, your pop- don't eat the dessert first. No, no it's okay. silly that. You're going to eat your uh, main course while. Uh, well, Michael's doing Michael's his review. While you're is, is chowing fine. down, I'm going <laughs> to talk about a film. How was that? Wow, okay. That's great, yeah, great. Well, it depends what film, Michael, I mean. Okay, this is well, it's Midsommar. Ooh, the, that's uh, a good one, because I've seen it. The horror film of the summer, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm very confident. Well, you're not it, sounding much like an expert here, is, Michael. Is it horror? That's the question, but I'll get into that. Oh, I see. Um... So yeah, this is the uh, this is the second film from um, director and creator of uh, last year's Hereditary, Ari Aster, um, which quickly marked him out as an interesting director to watch. Uh, this one stars most notably uh, Florence Pugh and Will Poulter, as well as several other people. Um, I'm not really going to talk much about the acting in it, although um, Pugh is superb in it. Uh, I thought she gave the standout performance. I think Hereditary very quickly established Astor's style uh, in a way that continues in this film. He um, he certainly has a visual style, I would say, which, again, I'll discuss. But uh, in terms of um, how his stories develop, it doesn't go for the uh, the jugular, but the films are marked by um, much more slowly evolving tension, punctuated by various narrative shocks. Uh, I wouldn't say this reinvents the wheel that is the horror genre in any way, uh, but it's it's um, very interesting in terms of uh, pacing. I wouldn't say that it's scary, but it's more built around uh, tension and feels very eerie. Uh, both films are quite similar in that regard. Um, uh, perhaps even more applicable to this because it has such a strange and quite unique atmosphere to it. Uh, it involves a group of um, young people, mostly Americans, who um, follow their uh, Swedish friend home to his uh, community in Sweden for the semi-fictional Midsommar Festival, uh, which is set at the height of um, Swedish summer when uh, the sun blazes for almost 24 hours of the day. And uh, as you can imagine from the, fa- from the genre, uh, things start to get a little bit weird once they arrive there. Uh, I really, as I mentioned, I really appreciate the pacing of the film. Uh, there's a lot of scenes that are quite expositionary, set around uh, dinner tables a lot, uh, and also I think the start of the film is very strong. Um, f- I mean, the, the first section of the film is set um, as they're preparing to uh, to head out to this festival, um, and I think it really establishes some strong character dynamics very early on. Uh, much like Hereditary, this film is basically a puzzle box, I would say. Uh, Astor seems to favour using imagery and actual images as clues. He did that in Hereditary and he does it here a few times as well. Uh, and the, this film, just like Hereditary, will provoke a lot of debate. 
afterwards with anyone you see it with uh, as to exactly what happened, exactly what the meaning of the film was. Uh, I think a lot of that is drawn from the fact that uh, I think that that's enhanced by the fact that there are several thematic currents running through this film. I think different viewers will pick up on different things. Um, I think there's certainly a little bit of uh, gender relations going on in there. There's a largely unspoken threat, I thought, of uh, sexual violence that never actually really comes to the fore. But some people who have uh, experience of having attended similar actual festivities in Sweden have written since the release of the film about uh, how that was a feature of some of the experiences they've had and they saw that sort of messaging in the film. Um, some people have interpreted as it has been about uh, the hidden darkness of Scandinavian social democracy, uh, especially from a country where the far right. That's Sweden, what I thought. Yeah, the far right Sweden Democrats <laughs> have been on the uh, <laughs> been on the march for several years now and are growing bigger by the year. Uh, but I think more more so than that, it really preys more. I think it preys more so on like a lot of great American horror does on American fears and where that's usually the fear of the um, of the domestic. This is more the fear of the other. In a classic sense, uh, I think that that one's fairly obvious, more so than some of the other themes I mentioned there. Um, this is a this is by Astor's own admission a breakup movie inspired by an experience of his own. Got to wonder what the hell sort of breakup he went through because uh, this is savage as far as a breakup movie goes. It's pretty crazy, uh, so that's interesting. I think one of the most notable things about this film is you're probably going to be laughing at it as much as you are. Um, freaked out by it or scared by it. It's certainly not a jumpy film, I wouldn't say, uh, but it is uh, awkwardly humorous in several respects. There's a particular crescendo of a scene towards the end that uh, drew a lot of laughter when I saw it at the cinema, and uh, I had to suppress my laughter quite hard towards the end of the film when, um, there's going to be some sp sort of spoilers here, there's a small lottery to determine which member of the community has to step forward as a candidate for human sacrifice, and uh, I was struggling not to laugh when out loud when the uh, the guy in charge basically announced it as uh, when the ball was drawn, whatever his name was, come on down. I thought that was particularly particularly funny. <laughs> uh, so there are, there are quite a few moments like that. Um, I thought sound is really important in this film. It's immaculately scored by British musician the Haxon Cloak, whose um, album Excavation. Uh, from 2013, I believe, is a really landmark electronic album, in my opinion. I read a brilliant article on Pitchfork, which really exposes how lovingly and organically researched and uh, created the music for this film was. A lot of research into uh, some of the folk elements surrounding the ideas of the film uh, really went into that, and I think that really gives you a sense of... Um, you know, I think the music is strength, all the stronger for the fact that so much work went into it. I'm not sure if um, the Haxon Clock had any input in the... Um, I mentioned a crescendoing scene, which is a sex scene. Uh, a very notable one in this film. I'm not sure of how much input he had into that, if any, but it verges on the operatic, certainly. Uh, and I'm still sort of... In my own head, I'm still really sort of thinking over and analysing some of the meaning around um, sound or lack of it in the film. Uh, in, the, in the community in the film, uh, the disabled seem to have an almost divine status... Uh, there's a particular character that we see that's central to that, uh, but as far as I recall, we never hear them speak. I'm not sure if they are actually mute or not, but it's a it's a central th 
fit uh, sort of feature of how their role in the community works uh, that they interpret messages that they create by hand rather than anything that they speak uh, and there's also I mean, we have um, a character who um, a central character who is paralyzed by the end of the film um, so again there seems to be a, a theme of silence that keeps coming back to me uh, also the way some of the deceased in the film are presented that where their bodies are very carefully presented seems to suggest an isolation between the mind and the body I think it all sort of ties together and is I thought a comment on how silence drives horror in certain communities uh, but that's just my interpretation of that the whole thing's beautifully shot and it's pretty unique as horror films go and indeed any films go because it's so bright so much of it is set outside in the sun uh, you don't really see that very often and I just think in conclusion really that we should celebrate the fact that a film this madcap was even commissioned in the first place because it is without doubt one of the balmiest films I've ever seen uh, and for that base, on that basis alone I would encourage people to watch it. Uh, it people will passionately dislike the film I think as much as they will like it but um, yeah I thought it, it's to be celebrated because it is so mad and that's my take on it um, I've seen this as well. Who did I see this with? Not, you, not you, then, Claire. No. <laughs> um, oh, I think Claire, I think. Um, my thoughts are going to sound like a sort of child's thoughts after what Michael's just said. <laughs> but, um, I'll wait till you hear my review. <laughs> <laughs> um, you already said one of the points as well. Cheers, Michael, fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> my main point was going to be I thought it was well good that there was a horror film that was all bright and that instead of dark. Um, oh, well good, I, thought, isn't it? I thought that was good um, and yeah it was just freaky I think my problem is I haven't thought about it much it was like I finished and I was like yeah, actually it really affected me in a not, I wouldn't say in a positive way but I don't mean that as in because it's a bad film that's what it's trying to do it was, I found it very unsettling and I got out and felt pretty weird but that's kind of why I like the cinema I like the cinema to give me feelings that I wouldn't normally have in normal life because yeah. I don't really do anything that's generally that unsettling in, in my day-to-day -day life. Um, <laughs> so it was a Not that you're willing to admit, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that, that was, uh, it was very effective. I love the fact that the music was great, and the, you're right, it's very silent a lot of the time. Which, um, and I think we must have been in a quite a different showing because no one laughed in our showing. But you're really? right, those bits were pretty funny. But I think I didn't see them in a funny way because everyone was so bloody silent. I think um, we are influenced by, you know, who we're watching it with, even if it's yeah. strangers in a cinema. But yeah, there was a lot of chuckling when I saw yeah. it. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't any of ours. I think there was just a lot of, a few people walked out when that uh, famous sex scene started. Really? Like it. <laughs> <There> was, <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got that far in, I mean, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> there, there was definitely there was definitely laughter in my in in the screening I went to. Definitely, I'm people in Sheffield don't seem to have any humour. <laughs> Miserable bastards. Yeah. But um, yeah, overall, I really liked it. I thought it was like like you say, really well shot. It was very just very memorable. There's loads of scenes I can still think of yeah. now because uh, they're just kind of ingrained in my brain. But it's one of those that I don't really want to watch again. Um, oh really? Just because it's was that intense I thought it was a little bit like Requiem for a Dream but less so okay. uh, I just found it quite a that's a very intense film yeah quite an intense experience well I mean um, I, among the people I think a good example of how how much it'll divide divide people is that uh, among the few people I saw it with one described it as um, the wicker man turned down 
and another one independently without having heard that called it the Wicker Man on Speed. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both must have watched the Wicker Man in very different circumstances. Which version? <laughs> Wicker Man, yeah. yeah, maybe they're just talking about different versions. One's all about the well, Nicolas yeah. Cage version. God, I hope not. <laughs> not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but that, that's my thoughts. I, I really liked it, yeah. I haven't really thought about a list this year yet, so I don't know where it'd be on that, mm. but... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, it was a memorable my, cinema experience. My thoughts, are not, my thoughts are not too dissimilar to Michael's, albeit, just like Clive said, less intelligent. But um, I think, to be honest with you, um, I, I was profoundly unsettled by it, but at the same time, by the end, I found it quite cath-artic. Was that just me? Um I think there was an element of that in certainly the um well I think that that's part of the sort of breakup narrative but yeah I think that I mean for for a breakup film the like the narrative is so you know it's so intense like it's quite amazing to think of the film like that I think I think um yeah I I would go as far to say that this isn't really horror it's more psychological surrealism um I was just going to ask what kind of a horror film it is cuz Obviously, you get like the ones that make you jump, and the ones that are gory and stuff. I and mean, they're not really. It's not. It's not really like anything else. So probably the closest comparison is the Wicker Man, but it's so much stranger than the Wicker Man. Uh, not necessarily in a better way, um, although they're both good. But it's um, yeah. There's there's nothing it really compares to, or not immediately. It was um, it was originally imagined as a slasher, which I think you can te- you can you can tell that, but it's moved away from that, obviously, while it's been created. I mean, it it, it, it does share some things that you know, some elements of a classic slasher film. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it has it's, it's tropes not... of like dying off one by one type. Exactly, thing, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you know, you, you, it has the classic tropes of you know, what, why are you doing that? Come on, you're obviously going to get killed. <laughs> That's obviously stupid behaviour. Why would you go off with that person? Why would you do what the one thing that they told you exactly not to do? Um, it's, you know... And why would you believe them when they say that to you? But um, Why I, would you be an ethnic minority, all of whom die first, I noticed? Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, though. you're right. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm going to assume that that's deliberate. <laughs> Probably, I, yep. Um, but yeah, I just... I really, I, well, enjoying's not really the word, we say this all the time, it's not really right to say you enjoyed it, but it was an experience that definitely left me thinking. Um, funnily enough, I actually discussed this film with some Swedish people uh, while I was in a stag do in Dublin. Uh, they, ha- they hadn't seen it themselves, but they'd heard about it. Uh, they were quick to tell me that Midsommar is real, which I didn't know at the time, um, but it's not anything like that, allegedly. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> They're going to you know, say that. They're going to say that, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah I mean, um, that is what someone who organises that kind of thing would say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a bit like when, you know, North Korean government say that everybody loves Kim Jong-un. You know, is it true, really? Well, when, when they call themselves democratic, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, but yeah. Is it like when we say this, this is the best podcast in the world? No, because that's accurate. No, yeah, Although I, I've now that's... changed it to this side of the Seine. Okay. For the sake of the Yeah, but how far around the world does that go? Um, all the way around. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so whichever side of the Seine you've got your vast. You're always one side of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. I meant in I, the whole world, but yeah. took some yeah. poetic license, yeah. It's more memorable. See, yeah. 
I think, um, have you heard that what Ari Aster plans to do next? I think I mentioned this to you, Michael. Well, you said he was done with horror, but I, I don't... I mean, he might think he's done with horror, but I think what he thinks is normal might shock other nope. people. But I don't know do like specific. <laughs> well, apparently he's planning to do a, um, a musical film, but I would be really interested to see him do the world's first horror musical, which is genuinely... <laughs> I mean, if anyone can make it work, I feel like he could. But, um, yeah... Cable, did you see this a at all? Musical. That's surprising. No, I've it? not seen it. Oh. I've not seen it. Um, I'm not massively into horror <clears throat> films, but I'm in, I am into the ones which are different and like make you think and are sort of psychological rather than. Yeah, this one's definitely that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not really into your classic kind of like oh conjuring, um, sinister style films, jump scare films. But I do love no. a good horror when it's intelligent. Um, just a yeah. bit different. I think a lot of horror horror fans, even even though they enjoy those movies, do get their back up a bit when somebody goes, "Oh, this has changed the horror game," or "It's finally an intelligent horror." Um, but you know, fuck them. So uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's get the ball. Finished <laughs> about today, Al. Yeah, uh, right. I finished my cannelloni now, Al. Right. Oh, okay. He means business. He means business. He's all carved up. Let's go to Clive Fisher. <laughs> Alright, all right. um, I'm going to start with a. I'm going to. This is really good, actually, that we've done this format because this is perfect for it because it doesn't really. It's a, both a film but also music related. Wow. Um, because I'm going to talk about the Bruce Springsteen. I believe it's called Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. There's probably some other words in there, but that's the gist. Um, and it's on Netflix, and it's basically as, as as you'd expect, Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, which is. Um, so it's basically just him on stage. Um, yeah, it's two and a half hours long, which um, and it's basically just him the entire time. No one else is on that stage. Oh, at one point his wife comes on. To be fair, I'm trying to shit. <laughs> but mainly Bruce Springsteen. Um, and he's just talking about his life, interspersing it with music. So he'll like talk about a bit of his life. And uh, I'm reading his book at the minute, and there's bits of it taken from that. Um, but it's absolutely amazing. It's possibly the f- best thing I've seen this year. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just found it like really really impressive that i always find it super impressive because we're talking about like you know we watch films it's like all oh, the directing was fantastic and all this and you've got so many aspects you can have in a film to make it engaging uh you can use great music you can use you know the actors on screen you can keep changing the setting you can do all this stuff and if it's but this is just bruce springsteen stood on a stage on his own with a guitar uh for two and a half hours um and, and he just he, i just thought it was captivating like he's really good at he tells stories, and he's obviously a good storyteller because most of his songs are stories, uh, but he just tells them in this really kind of unpretentious and yet really interesting and descriptive way. Like it's, you know, like a good author, not one that spends 700 pages describing a tree, but <laughs> one that you get the picture pretty quickly uh, <laughs> and you know exactly what he's on about. He's like that. And because and, he talks about growing up and, you know, uh, first love and all that kind of stuff and just stuff you can relate to um but obviously in his context it's really relatable and he's just obviously a, he seems like a super sound guy to be honest like pretty down to earth and it's just the whole thing's captivating he's got these really all the musical performances in it are great and um, there's a few of the songs i don't know whether he wrote i've not looked into whether he wrote some for it i suspect he did cause some of them seem like they fit uh, almost too perfectly but um, it, it's hard to tell if not, they're still just as good as the other ones. Um, it's quite possible that they're on some of the albums I've not heard, because I've not heard... I'd say I've heard maybe like 50% of his discography. So, <laughs> that's a bit missing. 
Um, but he performs certain ones like uh, there's a really good performance of Born in the USA, which is completely different to the original song, like obviously way less bombastic. It's on acoustic guitar, but he also does it in a kind of a more of a dark way, which I thought was really uh, kind of cool because a lot of people obviously think that song's about how fantastic it is to be born in the USA when it absolutely isn't. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> because they just, they just listen to the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact it's quite bombastic and happy sounding. Um, but yeah, he does it really darkly in this and it's brilliant. And he just like, I just, I was just gripped throughout for the two and a half hours and I didn't think I was going to be. And I'm a pretty big Bruce Springsteen fan, but I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand and watch Bruce Springsteen talking for two and a half hours. But I absolutely could. And not only did I stand, sit and watch it for two and a half hours, I absolutely loved it. And at the end, I was just like, it was just brilliant. It was like full of, full of life and just full of what life's all about, really. And it was a lot of kind of a bit like something like Boyhood, where it's just, I think, probably relatable to most people, even though he's a rock star. He does it in a way that, he talks about it in a way that you can relate to if you put yourself in that situation. Um, and he's kind of like super confident while not being a cocky arsehole, which is, I think, really hard to pull across. <laughs> Uh, but he he does it um, and yeah I just thought it was absolutely fabulous and everyone it's on Netflix most people have got Netflix watch it it's really really good I, I saw somebody at well, previous work was like oh, I was watching it but then uh, it wasn't very good because all he was doing all his songs acoustic I was like that's the point mate <laughs> what, do you think he was going to rock up just bloody get this whole band out I suppose, I suppose like on Broadway could have done that but I imagine you have like people who like go to a gig and they're like, "Oh, it didn't sound quite like it was on the album." <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, well, exactly, it's live. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, yeah, it's basically that type of thing. It's... But um, I think it would have been a shame if he had a whole band. I think it would have lost like some of the intimacy of it, uh, which wouldn't have been weird if he was telling a story and then suddenly this band kicks in. Um, I think it's good that it's just him, and I think it works super, super well. Interesting that you've seen this, and this has come out at the same time as that film Blinded by the Light has come out. I haven't seen it, but... Um, oh, we're possibly seeing that tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, so all, all I know about it is it's set in Luton in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, some uh, British-Asian kid who gets into Bruce Springsteen randomly. Uh, I don't know if it'll be mm-hmm. any good or not, but it's, it's interesting that, that Bruce is back in the zeitgeist, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. If he ever left, to be fair. Also released um, an, a quite a pretty acclaimed album this year that I haven't heard yet. Springsteen. Same. I've only listened to it once and enjoyed it, but I need mm. to get I've more into a few it. Tracks, he does seem to like have a never-ending popularity, doesn't he? I mean, I can't remember because um... he's the boss. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just the the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Just keeps on giving. Have you ever he's seen just one of those musicians who's like? Um, no, I'd love to, but I've not, no. He is every bit as good as you'd expect him to be. Mm. Like, um, I mean, who could really be fucked, you know, on a Thursday night in Sunderland? But he can. Uh, <laughs> for three hours. For three yeah. hours, no less. Yeah. <laughs> you get the impression that it doesn't matter. He could be playing in a car park in... Um, tell me some Luton. shit. Luton? A yeah, a car, a car park in Luton, and he'd give the best performance that anybody else would ever give of their career. And that's just... Like number <laughs> two thousand on his list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Well, sure. Yeah, no, he's just all about it. You can tell he loves it, can't you? And he just puts himself completely into it. There seems to be loads of these good kind of music documentaries on Netflix. Not that I've seen many of them. Um, do you see? Have you seen the new the new Bob Dylan one? Um, yeah, I've just thought of that, and I uh, obviously I'm the world's biggest Bob Dylan nerd, but I. 
Yeah, I'll probably talk about it next time because I think I want to talk about it properly rather than just wing it. But I, yeah. I having, having thought of that, that might be... It's up there. as my, It's probably not quite going to beat Bruce Springsteen because I thought that was excellent, but I did absolutely love it. Yeah. But I could watch... I could literally watch Dylan for eight hours a day and probably find it fantastic. Um, for example, Don't Look Back, um, a documentary about him in the 65 tour of the UK. Basically just films him like in dressing rooms and shit and it's... Bing bong, bing! Post-edit Clive here. Uh, not dressing rooms, that's fucking weird, isn't it? That's like a bit stalkery. I'm already sounding a lot like a Bob Dylan stalker. You know, just backstage and stuff, hanging out, interviews with him, stuff like that. Not not, not in the dressing room. Bing bong bong, we're back to the pod. It's brilliant. Yeah, this was the follow-up, wasn't it? Yeah, well, no, this is, I think, more the follow-up to um, the Scorsese documentary No Direction Home, I think. Oh, I've a bit more. Them, then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also great, but that's more of a like standard documentary. It's got people talking and stuff, a, a bit like the Dylan one does at the right. minute in, on Netflix. Whereas Don't Look Back's literally just footage of more or less him, just him backstage uh, messing around with people and some concert footage and stuff. It's really good. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. It's just an enigma of a man, which I enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely recommend that as well. But I'll probably talk about that next time properly. Excellent. Um... James Cable, do you have anything you would like to share with us? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I was trying to think, actually, when the last time I was actually on a podcast was. That's why we were talking then. I was just trying to think. It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a, a long time. I feel like... I ha- have I been on one since I've been in my new house, Clive? I don't think I have. Which is like a, at least a year ago. Uh, well, I, think you, I think you probably have, but maybe so not. It might be a surprise that I'm actually here. <laughs> It's a comeback for the podcast, and it's a comeback for James it's Cable. It's even bigger cable, comeback yeah. for James Cable. Um, yeah, and talking of surprises, I'm going to talk about a surprise release. Ooh. Ooh. Um, last Thursday, uh, Bon Iver released his new tracks onto uh, Spotify, and then at midnight, his, the whole album appeared, or in album format, um, which was, at, I think, probably three, three or four weeks ahead of... Um, the planned release, which is the end of this month, so probably two or three weeks um, ahead. I think it's still out in physical format at the end of the month, but it's on on streaming formats now. Um, and yeah, I promptly listened to it, and uh, Bon Iver's one of my favourite artists, and straight away listening to it, I felt nostalgic, and almost as if I listened to it before. And I remember having that same feeling last time I listened, uh, the first time I listened to his last album, um, he somehow manages to like connect it back to his old stuff without, I don't know how he does it, but, and it's still also very fresh. And I think this album is most similar probably to his previous album in that it's um, got a lot of electronic stuff in it and it's um, probably the most experimental or almost as experimental as the previous album. But I think it sort of draws from the, it draws from the other, the, the previous, the, his first and second albums as well and kind of brings it all together. And that ties in nicely with kind of what he said in interviews, which is, or like in the press, uh, in the build-up to the release. And that, and that's that this album is um, autumn, and it brings to close the four albums being the four seasons, which I just think is really nice. And with the first album was obviously winter. Um, we recorded it in a cold uh, cabin somewhere in Wisconsin, I think it was. And then um, the second album was spring, and then it was obviously summer, and now this one's autumn. I don't know if you can really tell that from the songs. I haven't really thought about it that much, but um, I definitely like that sort of theme of it all. Um, and yeah, I just when I first listened to it, I really liked it, and I've listened to it a few times. And I think we're gonna—I think it's probably gonna be one of my favorite albums 
definitely this year. Clive, you listened to it, haven't you? I have, yeah. I've listened to it quite a lot, but I haven't really <clears throat> thought about it, if you know what I mean. Um, but I'm really, really enjoying it. I think it's great. It is definitely most similar to his last one, probably, but a bit yeah. less, maybe a bit less, um, like, jittery. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a bit less of that going on. It's a bit smoother sounding. It's like a mix of this. It's kind of a mix of his last two in a weird way, I think. But it's, yeah, really, really good. I love the song Hey Mar on it. and But the whole yeah. thing's just really atmospheric. Um, and it's well, as you'd expect from Bon Iver, it's just super listenable all the way. It's one of those ones, well, like like his other albums for me, where I listen to it and I don't. There's lots of parts of the songs I don't really take in. Mm, like, yeah. I, I haven't. I, I couldn't <clears throat> tell you most of the lyrics to the, any of the songs at the moment, but obviously I'm going to listen to it a lot more. And even like individual songs, it kind of flows into one. Yeah. And it, there's certain ones that stand out, like Hamar for me, and I think there's a few after that. But then there's some of it that's just like really atmospheric and not even really song structured. But yeah, but I think there's really good. You say like those ones stand out, but for me sometimes that'll stand out at first, and then later on something else will stand out, yeah. and that'll be my like favorite one, or there'll be something in it I love mm-hmm. more than I didn't realize at the start. Yeah, um, it's definitely that something. type of music. There's so much going on. Yeah. I actually, I actually listened to this uh, literally an, about an hour ago uh, for the first time on the trip back. I don't have any great thoughts on it because I, I don't even know what the track names are. I just had it playing. But um, to me, it was... I mean, I really enjoyed um, 22 A Million, but to, to me, this was uh, an improvement. I, I'm on an already great album, don't get me wrong. But I um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm guessing you've listened to it, Michael. No, but what Cable said made sense because when it came out, I was like, I'm sure this wasn't meant to come out yet. So that, may, that explains <laughs> yeah. it. Um, I'll be, I'll no doubt hear it when it comes out uh, physically. But um, I mean, what can you say about Bonnie Vare? Absolute class. Uh, all the previous three albums are superb. Uh, I listened to Twenty Two A Million last weekend because I was hyped about this coming out. Um, it packs so much in terms of scale and emotion into what are usually bite-sized songs. Um, he has lines that are catchier and more memorable than most artists' choruses are. Uh, so yeah, the praise is endless, really. So yeah, really looking forward to hearing it. Has anyone heard? I've definitely mentioned this on podcasts before, but has anyone heard Volcano Choir? No. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I have, but I not again right. properly. Yeah, because I'm not so fussed about their first album on Map, but Repave to me is basically a bonus Bonnie Vare album. I think it's mm. it's oh, that okay, cool. it's that standard. So yeah, just wanted to mention it again. If, if you haven't heard it, you're missing out. <clears throat> I think there's there's quite a few features on this album, which I don't know if he's done yeah. before. No, that he's seems, done samples, that seems new, but he's yeah. not done. He's not done features. The only one I can think of at the moment is James Blake on, I think, the second track. But there are quite a few others. Yeah, I think Moses um, Sumney is on this. Yeah, he's yeah, a really good right. artist. It's a good. <clears throat> you made a good point, Michael, with the the fact his chorus, some of his like verses are more catchy than people's choruses because he does. There's one particular bit in this. I can't remember. It's on like track two or something. That's just like this really beautiful melody that yeah. anyone else would have made a chorus out of, but he literally just does it once in the entire song. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, it disappears. Exactly. And I'm like, what more of it? Oh. Sure, <laughs> but that's kind of yeah. good. It's just full of that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. But it definitely, it definitely harks back to the previous, well, his previous three albums. One thing I was thinking about, thinking about was the uh, inclusion of horns. On some of the tracks, which yeah. is, I think he did on his second. I think there was some on first one as well. Possibly is it four M yeah. or something? His first album was mostly just him and his acoustic guitar, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then the second album was more of a bandy thing with more instruments and a bit of like electricy stuff. And there's then... some there's some great horns on the third album as well. So yeah, okay, mm. maybe it's a theme through them all. 
Mm. All about the horns. Yeah. yeah they're, they're used really well in his music as well. Like, you mm. know, sometimes it's like, sometimes it doesn't always work, but I've never thought that about horns on a Bon Iver track, so perfect. Mm. This album officially gives Stick Around the Horn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, and I know it's accurate, so... Yeah. <laughs> right, um, moving on to me. Um, I'm going to start by talking about a documentary. It's an, it's another Netflix documentary, actually, uh, although it's not music-based. Uh, it's called... You, if you haven't seen it, you've probably heard about it, because it has made the news. Uh, the Great Hack, uh, which is a documentary film based on the Cambridge Analytica hacking scandal. Before I kind of go into it, has anyone else seen this? No. I've heard of it. I didn't know what it was about, but that okay. sounds right. So it's made by, um, well, quite a few filmmakers, but it, it was made uh, in collaboration with Carolyn Cadvala, or however you pronounce her name, the Guardian, such observer journalist who mainly broke the story on um, Cambridge Analytica. So if, if anyone doesn't know, um, Cambridge Analytica were hired by both the Trump campaign and unofficially by the Brexit campaign to mine data illegally from Facebook um, to basically manipulate um, Leave and Trump voters into voting against their own best interests. Um, not at all political, this podcast. Um, Controversial. The, the film mainly focuses on um, two people, really. So the initial whistleblower, Christopher Wiley, um, who you may have seen with his um, dyed red hair, and Brittany Kaiser, who was... She's an interesting story, actually. So she used to be an, an intern for Barack Obama and ended up working for the GOP, the Republican kind of campaign group, uh, before finally landing with um, Cambridge Analytica. Uh, she mainly gets dragged in after getting a name dragged through the mud. But she seems to give the the best indictments because she was inside the company. But you wouldn't believe how much of our data is compromised. Or if you, maybe you do, but you know it's a welcome reminder. Um, it makes you consider whether we'll ever have a totally fair election again. Um, it's getting to that point. In the same way that um, deep fake videos make you question whether you'll ever see a video you believe in future. I mean, how familiar are you with the with the hacking scandal? Uh, me, very like uh, uh, what you've just said is probably about everything I know about. It. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, essentially, um, what happened was um, Cambridge Analytica got all of their information from a personality survey. Um, they filtered it through various algorithms and locations, and then they targeted those people with a steady stream of ads and campaigns that look like grassroots campaigns uh, to slowly manipulate enough votes, and evidently it worked. Um, I feel like not enough people know about this, but um, or even if people, maybe in this kind of day and age, enough people know, but outrage is no longer enough. You feel like maybe if Watergate happened nowadays, it wouldn't really matter, it'd blow over. I uh, don't want to put a downer on it, but, you know, we live in shit political times. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we live, we live in times where 
anyone, and I can't remember, I said this on Twitter the other day, but you can, you can have any opinion, go online, and you'll find thousands of people with the same opinion, and then you will build your own opinion to be correct, and then continue to think that you're correct, uh, because there'll be something out there putting out shite about other opinions, and you'll, you want to be correct, don't you? You don't want to be challenged, so <laughs> and you'll find you'll find that pocket out there. <laughs> find your own little bubble to live in. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and then you'll just be stuck in it, which is true for both sides of the the political argument. To be fair, but yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't lead to a very good debating landscape. I think we're just hurling shit at each other, and uh, it just means that everyone just if you hurl stays. Shit, <laughs> eventually, some of it's going to stick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but everyone's just staying where they are, getting more angry. Um, like the, I had to, del- I deleted my Twitter the other day after the shooting because I couldn't hack it. I was getting, it was f- I was finding it fucking hard to function how mad I was, um, just day to day life. And I was like, I, I, there's fuck all I can do about this. It's not really my problem. Um, Why did just, deleting your Twitter help? Just because it, Twitter was the main source of, because you go on Twitter and it's just everyone being outraged about everything constantly. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm also outraged about that. And then I'd just be outraged and I'd be like, I don't want to fucking spend my entire life outraged. Because uh, it's not a particularly healthy state of mind. But, so I deleted it and I might get it at some point again when things have blown over a bit. But I spent like two days just tweeting angry tweets and I was like, this mm. isn't really benefiting anyone. <laughs> it's I, not me. What <laughs> do you mean? Driving. What you mean is it makes perfect sense, but at the same time, I feel like I wouldn't know enough about certain things if I wasn't getting it from Twitter. And I know not everything there's accurate, and I'd like to feel I've got enough critical, you know, faculty to determine what's accurate and what's not. I think it depends on your type of brain. Like, and I know that, like, for example, I can't watch the news. I never have watched the news. I, if the news is on, I always went to a different room as a kid because I can't hack it. Like, I watch half an hour of the news and I'll feel shit for like. 24 hours because I just can't take the stuff that I'm seeing but I guess it depends how much you can distance yourself from that and that doesn't mean that someone's a better or worse person but that's just what I'm like I can't I can't take it so for me it's everyone's like you can you can throw the or your ignorant argument out there and fair enough yeah go for it but I'd (laughs) avoid it a lot of the time I can't physically handle it so it's not good for my mental health. That's hey. interesting because that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, like I'm, I'm really interested in politics, and I read some current affairs magazines that I like, but I've stopped watching the news, and it's just be- for mental health reasons. Yeah, because it's, not it's, good. it's cold out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is cold out there, and it's like, how, how much can you en- ben- benefit the stuff? I don't know. I'm trying to. I think it's more of a local. Do make the change that you can do and try and do that. But there's some stuff that just doesn't. Like I think we were we're born into. We're getting a bit deep here, but <laughs> we're born into tribes and we're 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 built to deal with things on a tribal level in terms of oh my fam someone in my family's ill that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, if you then throw the entire world into your tribe and some some you know thousands of people have died in a tsunami over there and you've yeah. got to feel empathetic about that. And then every that means every day there's something horrendous happening, and we're not really built to deal with that. Um, yeah, and some people can distance that of okay, well it's in my family and it's not, um, and and some people are worse at that, like me. In which case it just makes for a pretty shitty existence, and you kind of have to be like, okay, well I'm going to not pay as much attention just because I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do the same. I I try and well I ignore it and I avoid it sometimes, and then someone will be like telling me about something like really horrible, and I'll just be like, I don't. I don't really want to know about this. I'd rather talk about something else. 
see, I've, I've got a slightly different mental health perspective. I get, I've never watched the news per se, but if I don't read up on the general stories or get, at least get a basic idea, I feel more anxious not knowing. So yeah. the, um, Ignorance is bliss, though, Al. <laughs> um, Definitely. I mean, I've lived my life that way, but um, <laughs> to a certain extent, um, I don't know. I can't. I can't Knowledge hack. Is not, I can't hack not knowing certain things. Um, but you know, I mean, to go back to this documentary, um, I feel like this. This is one as grim as it, as grim as it is. If you don't know this story, it's worth knowing, just so you understand how things have happened. Almost. Uh, we live in the age of manipulation. Uh, you know, data mm-hmm. is data is literally worth more than gold. Did you know that? Uh, I don't. I don't know by what quantifier they use, but um, it seems to be a well-established fact that um, your data. I don't, I don't know how you quantify that actually, but certainly <laughs> sounds difficult. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe maybe if you put it down the data you could fit on a piece of paper the same size as a bit of gold i don't know but anyway what do you mean though what do you mean by data maybe it's like a usb stick <coughs> but a really really shit one like one in yeah. the, one of those ones that fits <laughs> like 12 it, what megabytes does it mean when it's the data so your personal information so okay, what, yeah. what you like what you buy where you live how you've grown right. up yeah. even even your most basic opinions or like even mm. even your information on a personality test so um I feel I can cope with pressure, strongly agree, agree, somewhat agree, etc. Apparently, that is useful in manipulating votes. And it's no, scary, right. it's yeah. scary. But well, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Because, I mean, we're all essentially built up of the same thing, and we're all <laughs> more similar than we think, and we can be more easily manipulated than we think. Um, because we all kind of well, I'm unique, respond so. to the same triggers. Uh, and, yeah. So if someone's got a certain personality type, then they're going to be open to certain different types of... Yeah, triggers. Yeah. yeah, I can certainly imagine it's the case. <laughs> but if you know what's what to do, you can manipulate people pretty easily. I'm sure I could be manipulated pretty easily. I'd like to think I can't, but yeah, yeah. certainly anyway, certainly have been in the past. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, well, we're going to need a uh, a mood raiser now. I think. Uh, sorry I think we do. Guys. Yeah. Um, and what better man to go to than <laughs> Chuckles himself, Michael Johnson? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's not Spirits particularly must... funny about what I'm going to talk about, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Fuck, so happy at least. My spirit's lifted. So, I'm going to talk real quick about a song Ooh. rather Ooh. than an album. Nice. Um, I'm going to talk about Fear Inoculum, the new Tool song. The first Tool song, in new Tool song in 13 years. Uh, I've talked about Tool on the podcast before, I'm pretty sure. They were certainly a contender for um, my favourite band. They'd still be in the conversation. But we've been starving for quite a while since 10,000 Days came out in 2006. Uh, I only got into Tool in uh, 2009, so their new album, which comes out on the 30th in a couple of weeks, uh, also titled Fear Inoculum, will be the first new Tool album that I've actually heard as a fan. Um, yeah, the band's had some uh, legal issues and various recording delays that have resulted in such a huge gap between um, albums. Tool, a much bigger band than I think a lot of people realised. You mentioned them to people, they don't really know who they are. Uh, but, you know, they're a festival headlining band, a big arena act, uh, and but with quite a cult following. 
um, and a certain mystery to them, undoubtedly. So this track was uh, released last week. Much anticipation, obviously, among Till fans. Uh, it's approximately 10 minutes long. Opens with uh, some atmospheric sounds that I think really sound like um, like some long dormant elements stirring back into life. Uh, they'll really give you chills if you're a Tool fan. And uh, then, uh, I mean, it's it's not it's nothing particularly new, but nobody sounds like Tool. I mean, you can listen to the bands that influence them, the bands they've influenced. Um, it's never you never get the same fix as unless you're listening to the limited but um, hugely significant material that they've released during their career. Uh, probably the closest a band comes for me is Deftones, but it's still not like Tool. Uh, you know they have their own singular sound and atmosphere to their recordings. Uh, when you hear the tribal electronic style drumming of uh, Danny Carey kick in, you know you really realise uh, that it's Tool that are back. Uh, he's typically, he's usually in the conversation for best best drummer around, along with uh, Mario Duplantier from Gajira and Brandela from Mastodon. They tend to uh, interchange at the top of those sort of rankings. Uh, Justin Chancellor's got a very signature moody bass sound that I think is quite underrated to what Tool do but uh, Adam Jones a guitarist and basically the artistic uh, leader of the band his guitar sound is I think if I was, if I was going to try and personify how his guitar line, lines sound they're kind of like um, massive intergalactic snakes that's how I'd describe them um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, they're sleek and metallic um, they're quite sexy as well. No, I don't know how he sort of has that that sort of signature guitar tone and style. No, I don't. Can't think of another guitarist that uh, you would mistake for him. Uh, even though obviously, Tool have been highly influential within alternative metal, and very, you know, he's been very inventive with <laughs> instrumentation before uh, in terms of some of the ways that he's used his guitar. Uh, if it's for exactly that reason that I'm always surprised that they're never described as space rock because to me, you know, it has that sort of, um, you know, that shiny sound, atmospheric sound that you would associate with space rock, space metal, or whatever. Um, and Maynard James Keenan, the front man, has never sounded so good as uh, he does on this track. I don't think uh, in the sort of chorus, if we're going to call it a chorus, um, when he sings uh, the lyric allegorical elegy. That's, you know, again, it's going to uh, make, make your hair stand on end if you uh, are a Tool fan. And even from his other side projects, you don't get the same thing as you do when it's Tool. Uh, so, especially after thir a 13-year wait. This is a track that, in typical Tool style, builds subtly. Uh, it's a slow burner, I would say, and it takes repeat listens to really appreciate. But it does build to, uh, you know, big movements, sort of um, colossal stages of the track. Uh, it never really comes to a full breakdown in the way some Tool songs do, although it does still have a climax to it. Uh, and I think that's interesting. I'm expecting more of the same from the album, which is uh, only seven tracks long. Most of them clock in at well over ten minutes. Uh, it's the length, the entire length of a CD, 80 minutes long. Uh, so I'm definitely expecting more of the same. I think it's going to be an album that's going to not just reward, but require uh, a lot of repeat listening. Uh, thematically, it's supposedly about growing old, and uh, as the title suggests, how age and wisdom sort of inoculate you against fear. 
And I think, although uh, all of the band have a good 20 years on me, I think it's quite timely for me in terms of thematics. So I'm looking forward to it in that respect as well. Uh, but I can't wait to uh, get this album, blast it on a good good sound system. Uh, and this track's a really promising start. Um, but as I say, it is subtle and it does require repeat listens. But it's a very exciting time to be a Tool fan. And I think we should make the most of it because regardless of whatever else is said, I suspect that this will be the last Tool album. Wow. Ooh. <clears throat> is this why all the stuff got added on Spotify the other day, though? Yeah, that, that coincided with the... Uh, just before the few days before the release of the uh, song, they finally added their stuff to streaming, which they'd been cool. opposed to previously. Uh, but I think that kind of ties into the lyrical themes I mentioned, I think. You know, becoming a bit more relaxed about that, whereas mm. before they, uh, they were uh, opposed to it. They made it... Um, an interesting point was made, actually. I can't remember which of the band said this in an interview, but... They said it was a fan whose argument finally convinced them to do it. Apparently, they, they'd always made the point that I mean, their albums are so uh, so carefully constructed, and you know, you take them as a whole. And they'd said that was why they were opposed to streaming. But then a fan apparently pointed out to them that, that you know they don't play them in that way live. You know, you mix and match tracks from throughout the uh, throughout their career, mm. and apparently that sort of logic actually convinced them. So yeah, it's an interesting point. Also, I. I always ninety nine percent of my listening on Spotify is in albums in the right order, so I don't think it means you can't do it. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. It just makes them easier to dissect for anyone it who do- wants to, doesn't it? Yeah, but that, that's you know that's a listener's choice. You can yeah, listen exactly. to them out of chronology on a CD if you wanted to flick back and forth. So <clears throat> yeah, and plenty of people yeah. do. Like they used to have them in the car and then skip to track three and skip yeah. to track seven. Yeah, um, just because they had the CD didn't mean they listened to the entire thing through. Um, yeah, that, I mean that side of it, I've got no issue with. I've got an issue, obviously, with the amount they pay people. But oh yeah, that that seems like some bullshit. But that's the. <laughs> that's yeah. the but I, I think that could be easily uh, changed by the fact it's way too cheap. Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like ten pounds a month to get anything you want is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's ridiculous <laughs> value. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous value. And when I hear people complain about it, I'm just like fucking hell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because yeah. like that's, Netflix has maybe like five percent of, and that's probably being uh, ambitious of of all the stuff you could possibly watch, and that's about the same price. But this is yeah, you literally get. There is the odd album that's not on there. But, sure, there is, but, a, there is a restricted amount of stuff you can literally listen to though, like twenty four seven. You can't literally listen to everything. No, but I mean, you can but have anything can instantly have that you want. Yeah. yeah. Like I can, I read something and be like, "Oh, this sounds good." I can within a minute, I can have it on my phone and be yeah. listening to it, and that's a pretty ridiculously good service. But it, it changes, it changes the value, <laughs> not in terms of money sense, but the the value. Well, it isn't. It is related to money, but the value of an album or something. Because back in the day, people used to save up like all of their yeah, pocket yeah. money to buy an album that week or whenever. Whereas now, you can just a kid will hear about something and like, oh, I'll just listen to it. Well, it shouldn't. So I don't know if it should really be like, it's, it's a ridiculously good service. You can get anything, and it's something that should be available. Yeah. But I yeah, don't yeah. think it should be this easily available. It should be something that yeah, you are putting quite a lot of your. Okay, I'm a massive music fan. I want to have music when I can get it, and therefore I'm happy to pay quite a lot per month for it. Not a ten pound a month, and everyone has it. Uh, then they should have maybe like a playlist service where you just get playlists. Or it could or be a tiered thing where you yeah. can only listen to a certain amount for ten pound a month. You can but, listen to five albums or something. Hmm. And obviously they need to take less of a cut, but yeah, I do think it's just way too cheap. No matter how much cut they take at this level, it's just not going to make enough money for ice. But Plus they are <laughs> kind of the devil. 
Yeah. Mm. We've talked before about how in hip hop especially it was driving people to make albums lengthwise specifically mm. for profit because that's kind yeah. of what it's driven towards and that is damaging in my opinion. Uh but yeah. Um it's all about it I mean it is about it, it all ties into as an artist what happens when you let go of the art and it goes out there, doesn't it? So it's always mm, interesting yeah. in that respect. What is art? <laughs> That's too deep. That's too deep. <laughs> that question's banned from this podcast. We could do a whole podcast just on that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's do that next, yeah. Yeah. That's good, though. I'm excited about a new tool. I'm going to listen to the whole tool stuff now because obviously, yeah, I've got a Spotify. Yeah, I saw so. that the oh, song yeah. was released, but I've not listened to it yet. Yeah, I'm going to give it. I'll probably do that tomorrow. That can be my listening session while I'm working. Yeah, go Wicked. for it. Wicked. Oh, yeah. In for a treat there. I don't think Tool are on. I don't have Spotify. I've got Apple Music because I got it cheap. I don't think Tool are on Apple Music, <laughs> which is... Oh, hang on, are they? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know Because I don't know anything yes, about streaming, I yeah, don't know are, what yeah. they've just been added to, but I assume they probably it's just all put platforms. It, yeah, they probably just put it on all of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, have, they have, yeah, they have. Get it. Which album? Give me an album to download. Um, you should probably start with Enema, I would have thought. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's only four albums, so if you just went in order, that would probably make sense, but Adam is like a blockbuster album, and I would say slightly more accessible than the more recent two. Cool. I will start there and move on. Because the one of these bands who are massive in America, but not really that big over here. Not... They are quite. They are big here, though. They're just flying under the radar. They're not, yeah. like, not like the way they're big in America. No, in America, you know, they go on tour every year and sell out an arena tour. Um, yeah, they headline. They just headline download here. So, uh, yeah, they're they're obviously a lot bigger within metal circles. Outside of that, um, you wouldn't really. Uh, people probably don't really have the exposure to them. I've I've been saying for years that you know Glastonbury already took a punt on uh, Metallica, and I think Till would be the sort of band that would be good to take a punt on. But it'll never happen because they won't be filmed performing. So there's no way that's going to happen at Glastonbury. Hmm. Really? Uh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, they have a what? they have a, they have a relationship with the music industry that's quite marked by privacy and censorship. So uh, <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so that's that's a, well, that's a do, they, do they have reasons behind it? Why would they not? I think I think it's just private. It's some sort of privacy thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is weird because uh, Maynard James Keenan and his other bands uh, doesn't the, that objection doesn't seem to happen. So I don't really know what the exact story is. But it's difficult when you're obviously it adds to the mythology of a band, obviously. But yeah, when you're such yeah. a big fan of a band and there's no actual professional live footage out there, that's quite strange, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ah. Interessant. Okay. Uh, yeah, now. Let's, let's move on from from one tool to another tool. <laughs> <laughs> Clive off. Fisher, what have you got You're for us? From the podcast. <laughs> well, me and me and Cable are going to do this one together, so which will be good good because we're good. We're I'm stuttering a lot tonight, aren't I? DC Fontaines, we're going to talk about, which is um, Fontaines DC, isn't it? Fontaines DC, yeah, I keep, I've been calling them DC Fontaines for weeks, like an idiot. And you've never corrected me, Cable, until now when I'm in a public domain. Always washes know, the dirty laundry in public. <laughs> Does the DC stand for Dublin City? 
Maybe, I don't know. That's what I think. Um, That's like th- what I thought, because so from Dublin. The level of prep I've done has got the Wikipedia page <laughs> up. Um, they're a post-punk rock band from Dublin, Ireland. The band released their debut studio album, Dogrel, on April 12th, 2019. And luckily for you, that is the album we're going to talk about. Uh, so it was and released we have on listened a- to it. April 12th, 2019. We have listened to it uh, quite extensively, I think, both of us. Yeah. Um, I listened to this... On my way to hospital, actually, which is nice, um, and it was fabulous. It's it, so it's a it's called post punk. But from what I used to think, post punk was like a specific genre where it's very kind of bludgeoning sound, repeated guitar riffs, shouty. Uh, but it turns out it's just anything that's punk because punk. You're not allowed to make anything punk anymore. Apparently, it's got to be post punk because punk's already happened. Am I correct in that, Michael? Um, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> I mean, punk, they, they have, they have different. To, to me, they I have thought I was making sounds. a good genre point for once. Well, well to me, they Sorry. have different sounds, you know. But yeah, know. T- same to me. And this doesn't sound post-punk, which is why I looked into it. And then, right, okay, yeah, some so. guy was going on about how it's post-punk because it's after punks happened. Well, no, that's, that's and that's and nonsense, that just seems yeah. that seems <laughs> ridiculous because you can't have like post-reggae. Oh, Bob Marley's died, so reggae's died. You can have different waves of genres, can't you? Like, yeah, but I just feel like. Third wave scar. Because when, when I see post punk, I'm expecting that sound, and then I listen to this, I was like, this does not sound post punk to me whatsoever. Yeah, well, generally a load of t- yeah. bollocks anyway. You can't put it in a box, can't you? Yeah. Anyway, so they're, they're punk, I'm going to say. Um, they, they're quite. It, unlike, like I say, the bludgeoning drums and all the shouty stuff, it's quite melodic. Um, he's, his vocals are really clear. It's kind of mixed almost in a poppy way, with his um, vocals quite high compared to the rest of the stuff, which is quite unusual for this type of music, I think, and gives it like more of a kind of almost like a, a slightly more whimsical, breezy feel, but in a good way. Um, and he's it get, he does lots of lyrical repeating as as is common in punk, which is fine. And I really like his accent. His singing style's great. Um, it's got these kind of all the choruses and things are really simple. It's but really simple just brilliant. and really, it is quite repetitive. But <laughs> yeah. you said like lyrical repeating. I quite like how he that it's repeated, but he like changes it slightly with his, the way he says the words. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. His intonation. Maybe yeah. that's the right word. No, that, yeah, that is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he yeah. does like he'll say the same thing three times in a row, but it'll change time how he says it. He'll say it slightly differently. Yeah, it's really good, and it's just. The, the melodies are super simple, like in sometimes almost nursery rhyme-esque, but it's really good and it kind of gets in your head and it's really catchy, but not in a... I don't know, it's like these are the kind of songs that he doesn't have a particularly amazing voice. Like I think most people could probably sing these songs, yeah. um, but that's kind of what's great about it. And it's just a bit... It's a bit of an enigma, really, like how, how simple it is and how good it is. And also... I think it's often when albums are that simple, you get bored of them like quite quickly. But with this one, I haven't. I've listened to it loads, and I've enjoyed it every listen. And I think, for me, some of the highlights on the album, there's like three... I think there's three songs that are quite slow. Mm. Um, there's Roy's tune. I'm just looking down the list here. Um, I can't, That's singles. I don't want singles. Uh, television screens, and then the last yeah. one, Dublin City Sky. And they're like... They're all absolutely amazing. I think they're like really, they sound really timeless, and I can't just really describe why, but they sound like they could have been done anyway. They're, in a way, they're a little bit oasisy, I think, but with less ridiculously loud guitars. The one time where I think the guitars could have been done with being a bit louder is like on Hurricane Laughter, and there's another one later on that I've forgotten. But um, generally, I think it works having the vocals quite high in the mix and gives it like a different feel and adds to the like I say the, I like, the sort of whimsical element Cable what do you think I like that the, you said the, the sort of slower quieter ones I like mm. the fact that it's if it's, it is quite varied there, there's some really loud loud sort of more in your face songs and then there are the quieter ones and 
they're sort of into the quiet ones are sort of interspersed and it really flows really nicely i think and it gives you like a nice after there's a loud one there'll be a quiet one it's like mm. it's a nice That's variation um yeah when when i first when the first time i listened to it i was i didn't think i'd like i thought oh i'm not sure i'm gonna like his voice but mm-hmm. like the first time i heard it but then like the, literally the first song but then i really got into it i really i really do love his voice and the way he uses it yeah um it's yeah. kind of, it's got like a it's relatable because it's not a ridiculously good voice mm. <laughs> and i don't mean that in a bad way at all uh but it's just distinctive still like i don't think there's anyone really who sounds like him well just the irish accent as well isn't yeah it? which helps um, but yeah, recommended. Definitely one of my favourites for the year so far. Possibly is my favourite of the year. And like you, when I first put it on, I saw the post-punk label and I thought, yeah, I like post-punk, but generally it's not ended up being high on my lists, mm. usually. I usually like it, but don't fully get into it. I was expecting that, but this is totally Yeah, different. it's usually something which I like, but then like I don't think of listening because I'm not ever in the mood for it mm. kind of thing. But with this, I've... I, you I think can. I listen to it and then I listen to it like every day at least once for like three weeks or you something. You can kind of put it on whenever. It's like quite easy, yeah, easy yeah. listening, but in a good way. Hmm. Michael, have you listened to this at all? No, but I will be because this is one of the, I believe, one of the 12 albums nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. Ah, um, uh, yeah, doesn't surprise me. I've heard seven of them. This is one of the five I haven't heard. And uh, I'm very much of the opinion that this is going to be one of the strongest Mercury fields for a long time. So I want to try and hear them all. So this sounds very promising. Uh, mm. I'm still trying to make uh, Hot Britannia happen on Twitter. Uh, all, uh, in my opinion all the best music right now is British so yeah hashtag Hot Britannia hashtag is... Mercury Rising if you see what I did there <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, Southern, it's Southern Ireland British well that's that's what confused me because I'm wondering how that's been nominated someone in the band must be British that's usually how they get in well uh, oh, okay. yeah. I don't it, know it's, what's don't the difference between exactly. Great Britain and United Kingdom they're both that, neither of them includes Southern, like Ireland do they There's no difference is there no maybe not I don't, I don't think in my mind, there isn't. But. Okay. Yeah, it's like when uh, it's like when Anthony. You should probably the, know. It's like when uh, Anthony and the Johnsons won, didn't they? It wasn't like weren't one of them born in Britain, but they were basically American act. I think. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the exact details, but uh, yeah, something like that. I guess it's uh, pretty hard to like. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Well, you know, in those the, kind the of northern awards. northern Southern Ireland borders. <laughs> where you draw the line? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the, that is the whole issue. Uh, Delayed Brexit, isn't it? <laughs> Where do you draw that I line? mean, more like uh, on the family perspective, yeah. yeah where they were yeah. born. All oh, right. Yeah. Like I, could get, I could get a Swiss music award, even though my music's distinctly un-Swiss. <laughs> distinctly un-Swiss. <laughs> I mean, I'm really against capitalism for a start. Um, <laughs> the Swiss fucking love it. <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely listen to this at some point soon. Uh, I want to try and get them listened to before the ceremony, which I think is in about a month. So, yeah, cool. very strong field. Mercury Field this year. Apparently, oh, the band the band members um, bonded over a common love of poetry, which is quite interesting. Mm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just I was just reading the Wikipedia trying to figure out which one was British. <laughs> oh, the lead singer is apparently half British. Well, there we go. So. <laughs> That's where they've drawn the line. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I've just down, I've just downloaded the album on your recommendation. Good. Um, it'll be my Crack next. Crack it on in the car tomorrow. Yeah, I did. That's the problem with me. So I listen to music, but if I want to listen to a full album, it has to be on a long drive. I'm gonna to have to put okay. into that's time quite specific, work. quite a specific requirement. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I Has there ever been an album that you wanted to hear so badly that you went on a long drive just so you could? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. 
I've actually it. done that before. Um, it was Reflector uh, quite a while ago. <laughs> That's a log album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a I've like, extended my drive sometimes to finish an album. I mean, you yeah, guys I've are just fucking that. up the I've environment. <laughs> I mean, I might be ignorant, but <laughs> I listen to my album sat in my room without wasting petrol. I don't know, I feel Jesus. like... Or walking. A great, yeah, yeah walking is going to be fuming when she hears this. You podcast. listen to carbon neutral artists. <laughs> yeah, exclusively. <laughs> Fontaine's DC are carbon neutral. Okay, they've never used any electricity in their lives. They're actually they, they recorded it in a shed. In the generator <laughs> power, their electric guitars. That's pre. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's with our final. I believe it's our final one of the day. James Cable, did you have a separate one, or was that... Well, I thought you were going to do a, re- a music review, Al, of um, a DJ set from last weekend. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, so, well, I've got two to finish then. Um, let's <laughs> briefly go into um, the unbelievable DJ set from um, DJ JC and, I don't know, Clive, what's your DJ name? Well, we've called ourselves DJ Cablefish. Cable, yeah, Cablefish. Yeah, okay. Be, did, did anyone see that video of those fish being shot over that dam? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Is no. that is a fish cable? I reckon that's what you should be. <laughs> fish cable. Yeah. Um, oh, well, was, you've missed out. You've missed out, Clive. Uh, is that because I've, because I've been off Twitter? I've missed. It was. It was basically fish over a dam. It was basically a water slide that they were inserting <laughs> fish into to transport them over a dam. I don't. It was oh, like one of the most ridiculous see, things I've seen. See, that's the kind of content I'm here for. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was no, no, there's not enough of it. <laughs> i tell you what, if I was a fish, I'd just be migrating constantly just so I could get a ride. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you the best, uh, the best tweet I saw about it now, Clive. It said, um, uh, what was it? Come over. And it was like, can't babe, uh, there's an obstruction in my in my way as a result of ecological capitalism. Uh, my parents aren't aren't home, and then just a the video of the fish being shot. <laughs> That's brilliant. Anyway, um, my review of DJ Cablefish is that um, it was fish a cable. Na- it was a, a night full of bangers, and that's all I've got to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, wall-to-wall baggers. Banger after banger after banger. It was just non-stop, wasn't it? All bangers, no mash. Well, except for when I pressed stop by accident on the... <laughs> I, I woke up... I woke, <laughs> literally did stop. I woke up the next day feeling feeling quite ashamed, though. I felt like I sold out to, uh, to the... Yeah, the, you, the you've got to sell out a wedding, man. You can't play, like... I, like, an I think Ross's analysis... <laughs> Ross's analysis was the best. You played the crowd perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the only time I've ever been called perfect. (laughs) I was a big fan. I was a big fan. I did get pretty off the chain at one point. Yeah, at one point someone was doing like a wheelbarrow press ups. Just just on the dance floor. It was insane. (laughs) I thought he'd like snuck in some drugs, but (laughs) I don't think he had. I think our set was just that good. (laughs) It was was like being on drugs. Well, that's a good review. That's a good, that is a casual <laughs> review right there. <laughs> um, my other review is another film, but it's a cinema release. Um, I believe at least James Cable's seen this, possibly Clive as well. It's yeah. the... Um, I'm, I'm not going to say eagerly awaited because I don't think anybody really wanted this necessarily. <laughs> uh, but the, this the, fourth, the fourth instalment in the um, what was you know a perfect trilogy of Toy Story films. 
Um, anyone who doesn't know, obviously it stars Tom Hanks. Um, you've got Tim Allen, various other people. Um, we re- reunite with our favourite toys as they are making the acquaintance of an in- inanimate object made toy uh, called Forky, who is uh, made up of a spork and some pipe cleaners who seems to be having an, an existential crisis because he doesn't realise he's a toy, he just thinks he's a piece of trash, which <laughs> seems to have been designed with this generation in mind. Uh, also uh, features the <laughs> features the voice talents of Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Jordan Peele, Christina Hendricks, Ke- uh, and an inspired bit of casting with Keanu Reeves, and pro- actually, no, probably even better, Tony Hale as this existential existentially crisised fork um, <laughs> which is a hard sentence that's to get out. the episode uh, title that'll be next year's yeah. word of the year I reckon <laughs> I mean it's more than one word but you know yeah <laughs> I mean um, like like I, like I said like I thought the Toy Story trilogy was almost literally perfect um, the second one wasn't quite as good as the other two but it was a really good movie um, you know, it ended exactly where it needed to. It had a perfect send off, um, and I'm—I don't really feel like I'm just going back on childhood nostalgia. Um, they were genuinely excellent movies that just happened to be children's movies. Um, so I had absolutely no desire to see this whatsoever. Um, but I wasn't really disappointed by this. It was—I enjoyed it. It was a good film. Yet I still feel like. It almost should have been before Toy Story 3, even though it's said afterwards, in the sense that Toy Story 3 was such a perfect end point. This one feels like... I think the closest comparison I can find to this is the David Brent movie. The David Brent movie was a good film. I enjoyed it. It was funny, but it almost spoiled the perfect ending of The Office. Mm. I think you felt the same way, didn't you, about the David Brent movie, Michael? Um, I'm, or maybe I'm nev- you didn't. Well, I'm never sure that things like that can spoil the originals, uh, but I do think you know it, it sullies it a little bit because there's not necessarily any need for it to be made. But it was half decent. But if you're going to compare it to The Office, you know it, it didn't need to exist. Well, th- this is better than half decent. This is actually a really uh-huh. good film. Like um, for yeah. any other studio, this would probably be the best animation they've ever made. It's funny. Um, it's packed full of you know pathos. It's has character development. Um, you know, it, it would be enjoyed by you know various generations, and and it does have a nice end point, which hopefully is finally closed this off. Because as good as it, as good as this is, eventually they're going to do a shit one. Um, so I can't say I didn't enjoy it, um, and the animation is absolutely gorgeous. But did it really have to exist? I mean, I mean, you say that about a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one billion reasons why it does exist, but um, you know, maybe they should have. I don't know. I really. How can I put it this way? It's a really good film. Forky is a really good character, and I really enjoyed it. Yet, why? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how did you okay. feel about this, James Cable? I really liked it. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That's. That, that's just the main feeling I came out. I came out thinking I'm really happy this exists. Yeah, that is actually what, kind of what I thought. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. 
Um, no, I re- oh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, I can't I say I, I can't say I was eagerly anticipating it. Or, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, but well, then I'm not even that massively into the other. No, toy I'm stories. not. I'm not a massive. Like I've seen them all and I enjoyed them all, but I'm not like. It's just a, toys, isn't it? Yeah. Can I, oh, it's just a nice up. kids film, isn't it? Oh, it's just for kids. So maybe maybe you two weren't invested enough in the others. Um, like I thought, Toy, Toy Story three, um, the moment where they're near. Well, spoilers if you haven't seen it. They're <clears> nearly <throat> about to be melted down. The way it's shot is perfection. But I really enjoyed this. But I just I don't know. It sounds yeah. like you didn't. No, I really did. I really honestly, I really. <laughs> I know did. you it, did, but it, the tone of your voice is as if you like didn't want to or something. I would absolutely recommend it. Like, it's not going to ruin anything, but it's. I think my feeling is, um, it's like having. Right. Right, Can you, imagine, you form, an, um, uh, form an analogy to something else. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Um, imagine you've had a lovely three-course meal. Every single meal was perfect, <laughs> and then someone offers you an entire selection box of chocolate, and you eat it. You really enjoyed it, but you know, was that the right way to end? <laughs> That's a pretty oh, good analogy. That's a good analogy. Especially well seeing as there's three courses. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually that's, shocked, just... Alex, because I just assumed they'd nail it and you'd love it, because I know how much you love the first three. Well, so I, I wasn't not... expecting that. No, I understand they pretty exactly much did what you said, it. but, you know. Yeah, yeah just they want, pretty much did surprised. nail it. Um, I think, to be honest with you, there's no way they could have nailed this better, but mm, there's yeah. no way they could have really persuaded me that it needed... It would have had to have been unbelievably good for me to say that had to exist. Mm. Whereas it's more of a case of, I really enjoyed it. you think you'd be it. happier if it didn't exist? No, <laughs> not like even... <laughs> no, not even necessarily. Like, I feel like we've got very existential on this. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like if this movie... If the plot was adjusted somewhat so it had Andy back in it, um, and it was the third film, um, not that I hated the character of Bonnie at all, but just, you know, to make it make sense, then I'd be talking about it like, oh, that was an unbelievable movie, great part of the series. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. A mixed bag of emotions. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's people I wish didn't exist, but I didn't. it's not that I want to kill them. <laughs> I just wish they weren't there. Oh, wow. Um, you just wish they'd never you... existed. <laughs> I mean, some people said that we finished Stick Around perfectly and we come back, but... <laughs> So fucking, we're making nah, too much pe- money, mate. The people wanted more. <laughs> yeah, there'll, there'll be a fifth one, won't there, Alex? I think I, I think it's basically the new Fast and Furious. Uh, oh bloody hell! <laughs> um, I hope there isn't a fifth one. Although, to be honest with you, they'll probably nail it again. And then um, you'll complain about it again. <laughs> actually, you know well, what? They've bloody no. nailed it. <laughs> How many will they need to nail before you stop going to see it? Um, <laughs> see. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I that almost sounded bad t- out of context, I'll tell you. Yeah. I almost want them to make a fifth now. Well, actually, I've changed my mind because I want them to end it on perfection. Yeah, but if they made a sixth, you'd want them to... Sorry, what? if they made the fifth, then you'd want them to make a sixth so it was like two trilogies. Oh, yeah. Uh, nah, nah, nah. To me, to <laughs> what, me five... If cha- five's, what about five's nine, a trilogy of trilogies? Nine, a trilogy of trilogies? <laughs> No, yeah, that's no, good. I, what about if they're no. what if they're chasing perfection for like the next fifty years and they keep releasing fifty, <laughs> but they can't get there because they can't match the high yeah. of the first trilogy. You make a gonna... good, you make a good point. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's just going to be never ending. Let's just end it there. It was really good. Just this using like just to use it like Tom Hanks is dead and they're just using digital version of his voice like two. <laughs> <laughs> they have to they have to use the exact lines that he's used before in different, <laughs> different orders. <laughs> <laughs> Rearranged. <laughs> 
Um, this sounds awfully go- robotic. <laughs> I will, I will say this for the film: um, the new characters are pretty much to a toy. Brilliant. But aside from, aside, aside, aside from a bit as, of trash. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He's the best character. But um, there's, I mean, uh, Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom, which is basically yeah, based on an evil, an evil Knievel toy, is perfectly cast. As is Christina Hendricks, and they finally kind of nailed a villain role in this, which is more complex than any of the others so I'll give it all the credit um, I don't know I feel like I'm going to have to change my mind because I don't make any <laughs> sense here but uh, <laughs> no, I do get I still get you but yeah yeah um, it's like when yeah. you when you finish something so well it's like there's, it's, it's definitely finished definitively finished and then you yeah. add something else no matter how good the other thing is it feels a bit weird because I was really distraught when they announced they were going to do a sequel to my favourite anime which was only six episodes long, and then they announced they were going to do two other series, and they were kind of average. And yeah. at first, I was like, at first, I was like, oh, it's going to spoil it, it's going to spoil it. And then I got, I came to terms with it, and like, I realised it doesn't actually spoil it. It's just cause the original is still the original, and it's still going to be amazing. A bit like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Well, the I, Matrix is a standalone film. The best Michael, one. What, what you talking I don't, about? I don't hate. I don't even. I don't hate the other two Matrix films. <laughs> I've not, get I don't out. Know if I've seen get them, out. <laughs> No room I, for I still like them, but obviously they're not they're not the original. I, th- the first I one, think but. instead of I think we should actually rename Jumping the Shark because of the second film. I think we should say that when a show's re- like gone past this summer, we should say it's eaten the orgasm cake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yes, yeah. Please. <laughs> that can yeah. be our thing. We're going I'm for that. That's our next. thing. Okay, yeah, we'll use that. Okay. Eating the orgasm fe- cake. I feel like a more popular thing on the internet is gonna steal that. That's too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, Remember Josh Keefley's uh, um, controversial opinions about the best Terminator film? Oh, oh we've yeah. discussed the them wrong at opinions. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> we'll bring him back on at some point. You just, can for have a debate with him. Yeah, just for that. <laughs> it's, it's not as bad as it's not as bad as very solid crisps. Um, I tried some pretty exotic ones at the wedding. Actually, oh yeah, so. Clive. <laughs> listeners will be um, happy to hear that Clive was forced under peer pressure to eat some tomato flavour crisps and <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, hang on, was, um, hang on. I, I ate one bag after the other didn't I? Um, yeah. like chorizo I think chorizo, chorizo yeah can um, we um, can I, I'm just going to go back to the previous point can we do a podcast of just Alex and uh, Josh d- discussing Terminator and I think we should have a promotional poster like the one <laughs> when Chelsea played Arsenal and they called it Judgment Day and gave Mourinho and Wenger <laughs> Terminator faces <laughs> Yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> that does sound amazing. Well, now, now that the podcast freeform, we can literally talk about anything and do whatever we want. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that much. sounds great. It's we need someone who's good at freedom. we need someone who's good at Photoshop. Yeah. yeah, and we'll do it. And then Josh, I'm not too bad. Josh needs to improve his argument because at the moment I don't think it's that watertight. <laughs> he needs to have an argument. It's not going to carry. <laughs> it's not going to carry an hour long podcast. I can't remember. I think last time his argument was, well, he shoots someone out of a coffin. (laughs) Yeah, that is quite good, but... (laughs) So, if if anyone hears that, that will be the plot for the next Fast and Furious film, (laughs) (laughs) though. They're going to be racing in coffins. That's when they've all actually died. Um, But they've got to make sure they get the same amount of blows in on each other. Did you hear about that? (laughs) The what? Apparently they've, they're like contractually obliged never to lose a fight. Um, the, rock, the Rock and Vin Diesel. So they have to. So there's some dude who like counts how many times they get hit in each fight. 
um, so that it's an equal amount of hitting that each one gets, so that one can't have won it. Wow. Ludicrous, but funny. I never knew that much thought was going into those films. Well, yeah, you didn't, did you? They obviously, they obviously. <laughs> they're, literally, they're literally hiring statistician, statistician, statisticians, statisticians, statisticians. They obviously aren't boxing fans because you don't just judge a fight on punches landed. I want to see some ring ship oh, as well. Well, maybe he, he might be analysing it on more of an advanced algorithm. I don't know, but <laughs> it was written by like the Vice or someone, you know, some sort of eight-year-old mm. journalist. <laughs> <laughs> All of the Vice articles are about sex. So I hope it's not written by an eight-year-old oh, journalist. Sex, sex, sex or drugs. One or the other. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not eight-year-olds then. <laughs> and um, sex, drugs, and London, because you know nothing else happens anywhere else. No, yeah, no, that's just shit, isn't okay. it? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Anyway. Um, <laughs> right, right. We're going to wrap this one up. Um, we've been pretty freeform, but I'm going to put some order back into Gloriously this. Gloriously freeform. Oh, um, what order are you going to put into it? What time's it, Clive? <laughs> it's blood time. I thought you might be saying that, and I don't have anything. We're on. Um, we've not done this for months. At Stick Aroundcast on Twitter, but don't go on Twitter. It's full of shit. Um, <laughs> st- slash Stick Around Podcast on Facebook. Uh, fa- Stickaroundpodcast.com. No, no shit on there. Literally, just stick around. You won't get interrupted by people promoting politics. Um, <laughs> although you won't get any fish jumping over a dam, so swings around about. Um, and out. you can. Stick around podcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email. Uh, get on Spotify. We're on. Sp- we are on Spotify, but more importantly, the Idle Owls on Spotify. Oh, come on. <laughs> get on, get do on I get there. To, do I get to promote Fucking my blog then? Give it a listen. Um, no. <laughs> no, you do in a minute. You, you can plug your own blog. Um, no, yeah, just on. just type the Idle Owl into your, into your Spotify. Uh, it's re- really fucking good, I heard. I don't know who said that, but somebody did. And <laughs> that's, Is it your mum? Uh, yeah, my mum loved it. <laughs> I, I heard someone said it was like... Someone said it was like being on drugs. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but a good I one. I think they meant it as a compliment. Yeah, the, the high part, not the, not the come down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, I think. Uh, Michael, do you want to plug your, plug your blog? Shall I? Go on, then. Go on, then. Check out my blog, roadstothenorth.com. Great name, great content, great, great yeah, man. What can I say? <laughs> get that. <laughs> Cable's going to plug. No, he's got nothing to plug. Soon you'll have something to plug, but it's a secret. You must have yeah. something to plug, Cable. Come on, you, you've always got something on the go. Well, I do, but... We're, gonna, we were, we're, uh, we're performing an open mic set at the uh, Shambhala, so if you're going to Shambhala, <laughs> get yourself gonna be down. Anou- is this going to be released before Shambhala? We're plugging it down. It's going yeah, to it it be released tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, get down, get down. It's a big if deal. Go to my blog if you want to read uh, the exact same content that I talked about Midsummer, but in written form. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, perfect. It will Did you just read it out. It, it, the only yeah, difference you can, you will, can read a long way speaking. <laughs> the only difference is it'll have a, a title. Uh, that's the oh, only great. So. I I would like to promote my new restaurant. Um, <laughs> it's that? a. 24-7, 1950s themed Chinese restaurant called Walk Around the Clock. <laughs> I mean, that's the best thing that's been plugged. Where is it? We need some more details here. I'm not just going to search the UK for it. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of walk-related content. Walk this way. <laughs> it's in... Um, oh, fuck off. Uh, Spennymore, probably. Where? 
Spenny Moor. Um, County Durham. Spenny Moor? <laughs> County Durham, okay. I mean, <laughs> not expecting that. <laughs> making it was shit the first place. Yeah, pretty much. I'll yeah. be down. I'm... I'll be down there walking around okay. the clock. I've just looked uh, it up and apparently it is. Um, well, yeah, it's, an, it's a Lee Mack joke, apparently. <laughs> he, he has a joke about a cookbook called that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, interesting. Great. Cool. Um right, thank you very much Michael Johnson. Thank you. Thank you very much James Cable. Thank you. Thank you very much Clive it, Fisher. Why are we all saying it normally now? <laughs> Cheers. And thanks to me, I've been great. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say Al, you've been really good. Thank <laughs> you. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, come back next time for just more general Boom. stick around. <laughs> more content. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. We don't have to like know what's coming next. I, mean, I don't even know if we're finished or not. No, uh, we don't. No, we right, haven't, stick we around. Haven't, stick you around. Haven't, we haven't finished till we've said something in a really bad German accent. <laughs> come back stick next around. time, guys. And remember to stick around. <laughs> I think yours is particularly bad then. <laughs> <laughs> Worst one. <laughs>